0: And welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is the 2019 Christmas special. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who's supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us to keep up to date with our daily photos and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use the subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on our website. Or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. Alright, so first and foremost, thank you to everyone who sent me messages over the last month. Asking if there were going to be more podcast episodes. Asking what was going on with that. It really does make me feel like you guys are listening and that you do want to hear this. I want to apologize for not podcasting. Before this point, I had fully intended this Christmas season to podcast all the way through, but uh, it got pretty crazy, and so I decided that instead I was going to do this one. It's going to be a little bit of a longer one. It's going to be one heck of a story, but if you can enjoy it, and if you can uh, sit through it, it'll be a little bit longer, and I'll give you guys a lot more details about what happened over the last month, because it has been very interesting. (laughs) So first and foremost... I uh, started, you know, when we looked at doing, I looked at potentially doing a Thanksgiving episode, and then Thanksgiving was just a really nice time with my family. Uh, we had my my family, my extended family, my brothers and sisters, or not my brothers and sisters, my brothers <clears throat> and my parents came up and uh, were able to come to the house, actually, because as you, many of you knew, Leah was nine months pregnant at the time, and my son's, my first son was supposed to be born on December, uh, December 1st. And we'd been all very excited about this because it meant that people were going to be able to come up for Thanksgiving and they were going to potentially stay. And maybe if we went into labor a little bit early, we would be able to everyone would be able to enjoy the baby. And so everyone, my family came up and stayed for a long time and it was really fun. And so I didn't do a podcast that day because I was just really focusing on the family. And then the weekend came and, and went and it was obviously Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all of those things. And it was a crazy weekend. It was a very, very busy weekend. And we at the shop were really worried because... We didn't have any pens, um, and this is actually going to become a reoccurring problem that you'll understand in a second, but we didn't have any pens, so we were trying to get as many things basically made up until their final stage, and then we were going to ship them out when the pens arrived, and that put us behind a little bit, and of course, we always have to be behind going into December. So, my family left on Saturday. Um, with unfortunately no baby. My mother stayed a little bit longer and she helped at the company, which was really nice to have her a couple extra pair of hands as we were working through some production issues early in the year we'd had, or early in the season. <clears throat> we'd actually been working, Marilyn and I, on developing the team into what would be the most efficient. And this is new for our company. We haven't really had to work on being, what's the right way to say it? We haven't had to work on making our labor efficient, mostly because we haven't had the volume of orders where it needs to be streamlined, and part of it was because before, basically, Merrill and uh, Morgan, the two people that that kind of worked for the company before this point in production, were able to manage most of the the orders that came in and came out, and they were both very, very quick, very you know productive, very efficient with their time, and so it didn't really become an issue. But as we had to hire some more people for our Christmas season, which was a difficulty in and of itself. Um, we we kind of ran into some challenges. So it was nice to have mom around for that, that time to help provide an extra set of hands. <clears throat> so Leah and I had been waiting for this baby for a really long time and we have been very excited about it. And it just kept being it just kept going on. Now Leah's mom, to give you some perspective, had all of Leah and her siblings weeks early. So we had this kind of hype up until this point, and I personally was really hoping the baby would be born a couple of weeks early because then Leah could do her maternity leave and come back before the Christmas season. Didn't work out that way. Um, <clears throat> So it was it was uh the morning of Cyber Monday, December 2nd. It was 2 in the morning, and Leah wakes me up, and she says, I'm having, I think, contractions, but I don't know. She couldn't sleep through them. She was having trouble talking through them. So by every definition, for those of you who've been through this, that's you're in, you're in labor when you can't do those two things. But she waited a couple of hours, and I slept a little bit more, because why not? And uh, then she called the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you can either come in now or you can wait 8 8.30 when we open. You can come in then. And Leah, being worried that she wasn't actually in labor, which in hindsight was quite funny, I uh, said, well, wait. And 8.30 rolled around, we were up, we were out. We were like, all right, we're going to the hospital to see if this is really happening. And we were all very excited, I mean. Now, the thing that was kind of throwing us off, why we didn't know if she was in labor or not, was that the contractions were coming about one to three minutes apart, pretty consistently from about two o'clock on. So normally, for those of you who don't know, contractions start out maybe 15, 20 minutes apart, and they're just regular. And you have a contraction for a minute, minute and a half, and then it's over, and then you get another 24 minutes to recover, Right. But that didn't happen and then slowly they get closer and closer together and then usually about the time that they're about three to five minutes apart that's when you go to the hospital and or five to seven minutes is when you go to the hospital and so for us it was shocking because she basically started out with them coming right on top of each other. So we went to the hospital and we spent the whole day in the hospital. It was just, she was, when we got there, she was four centimeters dilated. Then we were very excited about that. And she was like, we can do this. And three or four hours later, then she was seven or eight centimeters dilated. They were still coming right on top of each other. Um, and then it kind of stalled and things took a, a much slower turn. And then it wasn't until 4.30 when they're like, well, we'll just have the doctor break her water. And then by six o'clock, the doctor will come back and deliver this baby. At least that was the plan. And so we kind of went along with that. And what ended up happening was at... 4.30 doctor broke her water and she was at 9.5 centimeters by 4.45 and she stayed at 9.5 centimeters dilated for the next four hours. Four hours. And then finally at like 8.30 or 9, she got it, she was able to start pushing and so she pushed for three hours and the baby was not coming out. And we doctor was able to determine that the baby was posterior. So if, if you think about it, if like you're lying on your back, the baby's face is facing up head down, facing up. And the problem is, if you think about it, the way that you're normally supposed to come out is the baby comes out facing down and then they tilt their head upward. And as they tilt their head upward, that allows them to kind of come on out. But when you're the other way around, your head gets crushed into your chest and there's no way for the baby to come out. So that's an issue for, for that. So eventually the doctors decided, well, we have to do a C-section. So we went in for that and that was about midnight and the baby was born officially at 1232 via cesarean section and in the waiting room, or in the, I was in the operating room. In the operating room, they were playing music overhead, and it was the most unbelievably strange playlist I've ever heard, but the baby was pulled out officially as the last note of the song The Phantom of the Opera was ringing out in the OR, and it was the most absurdly dramatic and theatrical moment of my life, and it was so funny to me because I've been in The Phantom of the Opera. I'm a musical nerd. I was like, this is this is crazy, and it was perfect um and uh james david was born on december 3rd officially at twelve thirty-two in the morning and we finally got to bed about 24 hours later at two that morning and then leah and i spent five days in the hospital with her recovering and us getting used to having a baby who cried pretty consistent consistently and constantly and very little lack of sleep and it was just it was It was a lot. Now, I was taking over emails at that point, uh, trying to do as much as I could from the hospital. And, you know, thank God Meryl was there because she was phenomenal at she would once a day, we'd have a phone call. She would update me if there was things that needed to happen or decisions that needed to be made. I'd make them and then we would move on. But for the most part, it was very, very simple. I had a phenomenal team. And that's really why this Christmas season happened the way it did is because the team was so good. Uh, And so I, I but I answered I took over the customer service at that point. So I'm answering all the emails. And many of you were there, many of you who asked questions, uh, realized that it, we were, it was about a day or two behind. So I was always about a day or two behind, and I was often answering emails at two in the morning when I was up uh, with the baby. And so thanks, thank you to all of you who were patient through all of that. It was, it was hectic. Uh, and I mean, there was a lot, That there was a, I think that was probably the most stressed I've ever been, mostly because it was, it was, well, that wasn't the most stressed. I'll get to that later because there was another moment that was much worse. But that was the most difficult, I would say, in light of the fact that there was just this brand new baby who we were getting used to, who had an unregulated sleep schedule. And we were getting used and we were I mean, it's you're uh, you're at a hospital. You're basically like sleeping in a not, a not a not a great hotel. Um, and we were both exhausted and there was so much to be done with the company because we were getting so many emails. Uh, Which, I mean, I was trying to hire a customer service person back in October, November for this, but we just couldn't find someone who was able to do what we needed to be done and who wasn't able to really... The problem with our product and the problem with the questions we get is a lot of them are very specific and detailed and intricate questions. They're very complicated So a good portion of the emails need to require someone who knows a lot about the product and who knows a lot about our process so they can adequately answer about lead times and about, can we do this? And if we can do this, can we do it in this way? And if we can do it in this way, can we do it in this way in this color and all this? So it's a complicated kind of thing that it's difficult to just be like, yeah, we can hire anyone to do it. So in hindsight, that was something I should have done and should have spent a lot more time working on a lot earlier uh, because who knows, maybe we would have found the perfect person and this would have been a lot easier, but. Moral of the story, we get back to our house and kind of the next work day after that five days because we basically were in that hospital an entire week and then there was the weekend and we, we just kind of got home and I was able to get a little bit caught up in that Monday. The December 10th was really when I first got back into the office regularly and from December 10th till that whole week was just just hour after hour all the way till late in the evening was constantly dealing with emails and phone calls and people and you know dealing with the the you know, nuances of my other job, which is, you know, the finance, the accounting, the logistics, the operations, all that sort of stuff, and keeping that all straight, and it was a lot, and in hindsight, I don't know how I did it, but the problem also, at the same time, is that James has his night and day backwards, to this day, he still does, and we're working on that, but it means he sleeps all day for hours, quiet sleep, I mean, you can, you can vacuum, you could play music as loud as you want, he'll sleep through all of that, and about 1130 at night all of a sudden boom he is eyes wide open completely awake and ready to party and he doesn't really want to be put down i mean he's okay with it but he'll just talk to you the whole time he'll yell sometimes he'll scream and you know he's a little colicky not terribly but he's a little colicky where he's a little finicky he's got you know you just don't know what's wrong and you just i mean you do all the things you do with babies to make sure that they're okay and all of them are fine and he's still just not quite happy so you know, we were, we were dealing with that. We are dealing with that. And, and that was exhausting (laughs) to say the least. So I was up all day working long hours at the company. And then I wasn't sleeping at night because I had to take care of the baby and my, and my wife who was recovering from essentially major abdominal surgery. So she couldn't lift very much. She can't bend over. She couldn't, you know, climb up into the bed very well. I mean, there was a lot of things that was, it was, it was tough. So for those of you who were patient with us and who were understanding during this time, thank you. It really did mean a lot to me we i here's a little fun fact about me as a customer service person i struggle at times because a lot of times customer service involves dealing with customers who are angry who are upset for one reason or another and sometimes they're mad about the product and that bothers me a little bit it's hard for me to deal with that because i take it personally And to be completely honest, how could you not, right? It's my designs. I spent all of the time coming up with these designs the way they are. And so when people are critical of them or they have concerns or they're upset about, you know, I didn't think it was going to be like this. It's, it's hard to, to take that, in a. it's hard to take that in a way that's not personal. And it's especially hard when you haven't had very much sleep and when you're under a lot of pressure from other reasons to do a lot of other things. So it was, that was tough for me. Dealing with that is tough for me to this day. And Leah was always so much better about it. Cause she's a little bit removed from the product because it's not like it's her design. It's not like she came up with it. So she can always be a little bit more, um, what's the right word. She's a little more of a third party. Uh, so that helps. And I miss that, but I've been working on dealing with that because you have to learn how to deal with some of your weaknesses and criticism is an important part of improving products. So I have to work with that. But I want to say that's why. So th- what I mean by that though is, is for those of you who when I when I answered your question responded with something like thank you so much. I wasn't really worried. I just wanted to make sure or you know, I just want to make sure my, ship, my product was going to ship. It was going to be fine. I was just, that was, that meant a lot to me then and it still means a lot to me this day uh, and the reviews that you guys have given us, the comments have been so wonderful and so encouraging and that is always, I mean that's the best reward is when a good five-star review someone comes in and says it just changed the way I did things. That was like, that's like, high praise so that that next week we ended up running into some trouble because we were having this there's an issue that we have right now in our operations that for those of you who are looking at starting projects you should have this on your radar it hasn't been an issue for us that much in the past a little bit but not much it's been bad this christmas and it's something that is a priority of mine in 2020 to get fixed early so the way we do inventory is we track what's on the shelf And we don't really track what on the shelf is allotted towards orders. And it's not normally an issue because all the rest of the year, we have like a one to three day lead time. So for, I mean, for the example of for most of it, like if we get orders in from this day, we do them that day or the next day. And so there's never a time where there's like a lot of orders in the queue. And so we have to worry about what's on the shelf. Like there's always a pretty good, it's a pretty good turn. And so we're very aware of where inventories are. Not so much during Christmas when we have a lot of things. We have hundreds of orders coming in every week. And beyond that, there's also the issue of... There's so many different things. There's so many different pieces to the puzzle that you can have the... For example, you could have the leather for the number two. You could have the inserts for the number two. You could even have the pens for the number two. But if you don't have the bars, you can't send out number twos, right? All of the components have to be in all of the the right place for it to work. And that was an issue for us where... We, didn't, we don't have in our system a way for us to do inventory tracking where it counts what we've sold in our orders. So that's part of what I'm writing into our, our order system come the beginning of this next year. I'm going to be potentially writing into our system a way so that the system tracks the inventory. And our Wix has a great inventory tracking system. The problem with Wix and the problem is that it's not set up for the companies like ours where we have raw material on the shelf that could turn into 55 different things. So, for example, if you've got, if I've got, you know, let's say we got the Da Vinci pre engraved espresso number one, right? The slim cut. That in Wix, you can say we have 10 of those in our inventory, and then it'll put it out of stock when we're done with that. But the problem is that, 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 Raw materials that could be used for the Da Vinci could also be used for the slim cut. It could also be used for any of our other pre-engravings. So that's not really a good setup. So the way I'm hoping to do it, if I can pull it off, is to create it so that every time our an order comes in, it sends a you know, a multi-digit code, and that multiple-digit code has all of the raw materials associated with that specific product, and then it goes to the inventory system. The inventory system breaks up that barcode, essentially, of what it needs, and then deducts that from all of the inventory counts. So, at a glance, we'll be able to say, okay, we have this many on the shelf, we have this many that are going to be going towards orders, so we have this many left over, and we need to reorder them now, because with the amount of time it's going to take it to get here, we're going to run out. So, that was a system that we didn't have in play that we needed to have in play because we ended up having huge troubles where it was. We have nine of the 10 things we need to make something, but we don't have the 10th thing. So how far can we get along on it? And so we have hundreds of things in the queue and we're all over the place. And and to some extent, that really should be done technologically. That should be driven by technology. Um, and so that was, that was something that that week particularly we struggled with. After that week, uh, during the, actually it was about Thursday of that week, Meryl and I sat down and we said, okay, where are we at with our orders? We've got 300, 400 plus orders in the queue already. At our current rate of orders, we're going to be, it's going to be a lot more than that come Wednesday of next week, which was the 18th. That was when we were going to have our cutoff. So we ended up moving up the date to Monday. And I put on the website, I changed it on the website, it created a light box so that people could know that it was going to happen. We sent out an email. We did a whole bunch of things to try to help people realize that the deadline was this time at this day. And then we watched as way more orders than I would anticipated came in on top of the, the already the big press. So now we're in a situation where it's Monday, the deadline's passed, Meryl's got our hard cut off and we have the number, we, we know how many things we're going to need. And we are going to have just enough pens. Maybe not quite. It's going to be close. And we get our shipments of pens from an overseas supplier who sends them in bulks of like 132. And you may say that's an odd number and it is an odd number. The reason why it's that number is that's specifically the threshold below the tariff. So some of the new tariffs that have been put into place over the last year and a half, um, have thresholds and so for us because we're ordering under that specific amount we don't have to pay the tariff on it and frankly the tariff on it's absurd and so we don't want to pay that because that's an absurd percentage so instead the way we do it is we just order and we place multiple orders that are under the tariff over the course of a couple of days and that's perfectly legal perfectly acceptable and a very common way that people get around tariffs in case you're curious so that thing uh meant though that we had we only could get so many pens so quickly because we had to wait for them the, for the, the time frame to pass for us to order more. So we'd ordered more and we'd order it. It had two batches. The two batches of the pen were going to arrive. One of them was going to arrive supposedly initially Wednesday and the next one was going to arrive Thursday. Well, for whatever reason, the one that arrived Wednesday was supposed to arrive Wednesday, arrived Monday actually. So it was there early, but it wasn't going to be delivered until Wednesday. So it was in Milwaukee near where we were, 20 miles from our shop and it wasn't going to be delivered till Wednesday. And I said, I'll just go get it. So I drove down, picked it up Brought it back and we were able to get a bunch of orders out early that week. That was a really big deal for us. And we had, uh, the team was finally hitting our stride as far as productivity. We were pushing out big numbers. We were making big numbers happen. I was thrilled about that. And by Wednesday evening, Wednesday afternoon, Meryl came back and said, okay, we basically got everything made. We just need pens. And that next shipment of pens is supposed to arrive Thursday, but it's still sitting in Germany on Wednesday night. And I'm sitting there going, okay, what are we going to do about this? And I said, okay, well, let's do this. Let's get everything absolutely all the way completely done, ready for pens. Nothing. So everything is all ready and staged. And then when the pens show up, we'll just do all of them at once. And that should happen Thursday. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, the, the post office deadline for delivery for Christmas Eve is December 21st this year. It changes depending on how the days fall, but it's December 21st for this year. So that's, that was Saturday. And our post office, our local post office is open until two o'clock. Thank God. So we thought to ourselves, okay, by Thursday of this week, the pens are going to show up. We're going to get everything out. It's going to be great. We're not going to have any problems. And that's going to be how we do this for our, um, how we're able to get all of the things out and finished. And I was like, this will be perfect. We won't have any problems whatsoever. And we'll be ahead of the schedule. How often are you ahead of schedule in the middle of the Christmas season? So I ended up being quite happy about this. I was very pleased. Then, Thursday morning, we get an update. The Pens have arrived in Milwaukee. It was 9.40 in the morning when we got that update. I said, okay, perfect. We called them. We said... When are these going to be delivered? Uh, they said it'll be delivered Monday. I said, that's not going to work. Why would they be delivered Monday? It's here in Milwaukee. And they said, we can get it on a truck tomorrow. So it'll arrive Friday. I'm like, okay, perfect. We'll make that happen. Thursday, we spent every all day long getting everything all the way to finished. We were like, it was, by the end of the day, Thursday, everything was basically ready. So Friday rolls around. And they say they're on the truck out for delivery. And then they say they're out on the truck for delivery. And it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And then it's noon and then it's two and then it's four 30 and the post office locally closes at five 30. And so we really don't, we as a company do not like dropping off packages later than four 30, maybe four 45 are pushing it because we want to give them time to get them all taken care of so they don't have to stay late, right? We don't want to be the reason they're late. That's rude. So we ended up saying, okay, so it's four 30. And so I'm like, all right, well, they're still out for delivery today. I'm going to call them and see where they're at. And so I call them and the DHL customer service rep said that they're on the truck. The truck driver is running late. They should be delivered by 7.30 tonight. And I said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the whole team stay late. I'll buy dinner. I'll pay everyone, of course, for their time. We'll have everyone stay late. When the pens show up, we'll get them all done tonight and then we'll drop them off at the post office first thing tomorrow morning. It's 6.35. I get an update. From DHL, that says that the package is at the destination for delivery, is that at the destination facility waiting for delivery. Which, for those of you who know anything about DHL, means that it didn't, it was on the truck with the carrier, but now it's at the destination facility, which means they took it back and they dropped it back off at their home office. I called DHL, very concerned and upset, saying, Guys, this is not good, right? This is a problem. Because we kept our people here late, and I paid for dinner, and we had this whole thing so we could get this done. And we got customers who need these things. These are Christmas presents, right? We have almost 100 orders that are just going to be sitting here that are Christmas presents that we need. And they escalated it to their assistant person, and their assistant person said, I'm going to send an email to the local manager with your phone number. Uh, They are theoretically going to be delivering Saturdays because it's right before Christmas. So normally they don't deliver on Saturdays, but it looks like they're going to be delivering on Saturdays. And I'll ask him to put it on the truck and have it delivered first thing in the morning to you guys. And I said, well, we need it before noon because we got to make these things and put them and drop them to to the post office before two. So it's like if it's delivered tomorrow at 5 p.m., that does me no good. And I said, you know, I can drive down and pick it up at this point if if I need to. And, And he said, well, they're closed tonight. I'm like, of course they are. And they said, well. They're not going to be, proud. they may be open to the public. They're not normally open to the public on Saturday, but because it's a holiday, they might be open to the public tomorrow. And I say, well, okay, well, when do they open? They're like, okay, they open at 8.30. And I'm like, okay, perfect. So, 7.45 the next morning, I am up and I am driving. And I am, that was the most stressed I've been this entire Christmas season. I was frantic. I was so up at arms about how this was this was gonna be this this was gonna be the death of me because I hate to say it but the worst thing for me would have to be emailing those hundred people and saying by the way we didn't get your your Christmas presents out right like that would kill me I would, that would be so hard for me and so I'm sitting there going I'm gonna like bang the door down like I'm gonna huff and puff and blow this DHL center down right and so I uh I'm for the forty five minute drive I am just. I am so angry, and I get there, and I'm driving, I drive to the back on accident, actually, I drove to the back where all the trucks were, and there was a DHL driver idling in his truck, obviously reviewing his route, and I drive up next to him, and I pull down my window, and I say, excuse me, sir, I know this is not your problem, and this is not your your business or anything like that, but can you help me here, and I described him the situation, I explained what was happening, I said, I know my package is in there, and he goes, well, let me see if I can help, and so he parks his truck, he gets out, he walks over to the back of the warehouse, and I come with him, and he unlocks the door and we walk in. So now I'm in the back warehouse at DHL and he pu- calls over the, the local manager and he says, hey, can you help this guy out? Describes the situation. I pull out the tracking number. I show him. He looks at it. He goes and looks it up and he's still in the building. And he sends the other driver off on his route. And he says, here, I can help you. And see, we walk over to the packages and, and across the room, there's this big mound of packages. I can see my package sitting on the top from across the room. I know the dimensions. I can be like, that's mine. So we walk over there. We get it. I get the pens. Uh, and I head out and I am driving back as fast as I can now. I call Merrill. I say, all right, guys, we're all, cause the whole team is, was basically in that morning ready to go. I said, we are good, good to go. We're going to get these all out. I said, get the assembly line rolling so that we've got everything ready and organized. And so by the time I get there, I come in and we just do all of them. And for the next two and a half hours, the team just, it was pen box shipping, all that stuff taken care of. and, And we, I took a photo and, um, I'll see if I can, po- I'll post this on in my Instagram so you guys can see it. I took a photo of the entire team standing behind the mound of boxes that we got out for Christmas. I think in in total, it was something like 140 packages went out that day. And so we, we got the packages to the post office by 12 and we got them all signed in and delivered. And supposedly they're all going to be arriving by Christmas Eve. We'll see if that actually happens. Sometimes the U.S. Postal Service is not as good. But that's why I wanted them to be there Thursday, because if they were there Thursday, or if we shipped them out Thursday, that gives us even more margin. <sighs> but sometimes there are things that are out of our hands, and whether the Postal Service is going to deliver this on time or not is a little bit out of our control now. That doesn't mean people won't be mad at me, but that means it's out of our control. So uh, so that was that was the thing. That was how our Christmas season went. And boy, was it... Was it a stressful one? I'll do another podcast on our future plans for 2020. Probably next. Maybe next. Definitely not this week. I'll probably do it next week, Tuesday. And then, um, and I'll probably potentially even in that one talk about how we ended this year because we ended this year in a very, very stark different way than our last year. We This, this is a pretty interesting year overall. So I'll probably go over that. But I do want to talk about the the direction we are going in the company because we, we, we've been a startup until this point, we're still a startup, but we've been a, we've been a flight by the seat of your pants can kind of operation from a little while for a little while. And it's mostly because of, you know, my flexibility, I should say in the way that I do things. And there's a lot of, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been good for us, right? That flexibility has allowed us to like turn on a dime and launch new products instantly with very little lead time, right? We've done cool things because of it, but there's, we're going to, I'm going to take things in a little bit of a different direction as in regards to planning and organization for 2020. And I want to talk to you guys about that because many of you have seen this thing deal from a long time for a long time, but as is, um, the Christmas, you know, this Christmas time obviously has been making me think a lot about my son. And, um, I don't know if you can hear through the microphone, but he's currently crying in the background. Um, it's made me think a lot about my son and the future of this company and what I want for my life and for my family and for my future. And it's been really good for me. It's been a really interesting big picture kind of, kind of month that has been really good. Um, but it made me think a lot about Mary, mother of Jesus. And it made me think a lot about the Christmas story. There's something about having a baby around Christmas time. That's very special because it it makes the story and the history that much more, uh, it provides context for that in such, a, in such a real way that it's really, really powerful and impactful. But as is the tradition of the Wall Street Journal to read this particular or to write this article, to post this article every year, I wanted to read this to you. This has been posted in the Wall Street Journal on December, on Christmas Eve, every year, um, I believe since 1941, I want to say. And my father, when I was a little boy, used to read this. He still does to this day, actually. He used to read this to our family every Christmas. And I think it's so good. And it's called In Hoc Anno Domini. When Saul of Tarsus set out on his journey to Damascus, the whole of the known world lay in bondage. There was one state, and it was Rome. There was one master for all, and he was Tiberius Caesar. Everywhere there was civil order, for the arm of the Roman law was long. Everywhere there was stability, in government and in society, for the centurions saw that it was so. But everywhere else there was something too, there was oppression, for those who were not the friends of Tiberius Caesar. There was the tax-gatherer to take grain from the fields, and the flax from the spindle to feed the legions, or to fill the hungry treasury from which divine Caesar gave largesse to the people. There was the impressor who to find recruits for the circuses. There were the executioners to quiet those whom the emperor prescribed. What was a man for but to serve Caesar? For there was the persecution of men who dared to think differently, who heard strange voices, or read strange manuscripts. There was enslavement of men whose tribes came not from Rome, disdain for those who do not have a familiar visage. And most of all, there was everywhere a contempt for human life. What, to the strong, was one man more or less in a crowded world? Then, of a sudden, there was a light in the world. And a man from Galilee sang, Render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And the voice from Galilee which would defy Caesar offered a new kingdom in which each man could walk upright and bow to none but his God, insomuch as ye have done unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done unto me. And he sent this gospel of the kingdom of man into the uttermost ends of the earth. So the light came into the world, and the men who lived in darkness were afraid, and they tried to lower a curtain so that man would still believe that salvation lie with the leaders. But it came to pass, for a while, in divers places, that the truth did set men free. Although the men of darkness were offended and they tried to put out the light, the voice said, Haste ye, walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in the darkness knoweth not where he go. Along the road to Damascus a light shone brightly. But afterward, Paul of Tarsus, too, was sore afraid. He feared that other Caesars, other prophets, might one day persuade men that man was nothing to ser- save a servant unto them that might yield up to their birthright to God, for pottage and walk no more in freedom. Then might it come to, Then might it come to pass that darkness would settle again over the la- lord, lands and that there would be a burning of books and men would think only of what they should eat and what they should wear and what they should heed, only, then they would only give heed to the new prophets and the false Caesars. Then it might come to pass that men would not look upward and see a winter star in the east, and once more there would be no light at all in the darkness. And so Paul, the apostle, son of man, spoke to his brother the Galatians the words that he would have us remember afterward each year in his Lord. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And again, from Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration where Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were filled filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praying God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name that was given by the angel when he was conceived in the womb. And that's the story. It's the most important of all stories. It's the story that goes beyond stories. And it's the reason for the season. And I am so blessed and I am so thankful for it has been an incredible, incredible Christmas season. Thank you all and have a Merry Christmas.